0: His discourse from where we left off, again, seems to be motivated by the audience that is tracking him or troubling him might be as well appropriate. He's being dogged by individuals that should be revering him and following him and leading the Jewish people to him. And it would appear that right now it's a test of both the heart and the conscience in terms of what he is saying. Most of us could outrun a throng of people or we certainly have means by mechanics to drive away from people. We have opportunities where we've become very accustomed to calling people simply to turn our phones off. There are many things that we can do to, if you would, have protection around us. Jesus was one who, in such vulnerability, could only find that when the body clock of The masses would be winding down and they would be sleeping while Jesus would be up praying before it was light was his custom and so one of the things that we see here is in the discipline of both his prayer but also in truth to who he is and as God's son the ambassador from heaven who sought everything to the pleasure of his father with regard to righteousness and holiness. It wasn't that he had to think about it. He was the embodiment of perfect righteousness, perfect holiness, perfect humanity. He embodied it, God, from heaven to earth, embodying every single attribute that would mark a God worthy of being worshiped, adored, followed, being faithful towards, this was Jesus. For those whom are the audience that he now is talking to specifically, it only put into their hearts resentment as to why they couldn't understand him and why the multitudes fawned reverently over him. Whenever we see the words in terms of multitudes thus far up to 12, it does not mean those who are trying to tomato him. It truly means those who have been transformed by him. Enough to follow. In the course of a day, however long he would walk, they would travel. And it is interesting because the disciples were ones who were cleaving to him, but these people who believed in the Lord, were traveling hard after him. It very likely provoked even jealousies in their own heart to be that close to God and to have to share him with people that they didn't know. But as this opens up, the theme is pictured in both fruit and tree. And basically, he's saying to these men whom he is talking to, and even to us today, as you stand tall, may it be as a tree whose tap roots run deep into the soil of the word, may it be that the fruit you bear is of the spirit, but may it be also that the industry of where you are and what you do be reflected in how people are as well affected by your faith. Either make the tree good, make the tree good. It almost has, you know, that kind of echo we refrain as as we used to know in junior high. Not much in high school, I don't recall that. But it was kind of make me. Uh, yeah? Yeah, make me. And then you'd have a fight. (laughs) And somebody would be made into something. Pretzel, you know, nose victim, you know, hair pulling, not so much guys. Although you'd probably say, yeah, well what happened to you? But this is where Jesus is saying to them this is actually a choice that can be made. And it's actually by the industry of being spiritual people. In Galatians, the scriptures speak very clearly about the attributes of love. So you have love, and the attributes of love are joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Another word which actually has a better application and more specific, it's the fruit of the spirit. So if I take this to a reasonable understanding, the spiritual life has the manifestation of fruit to those who stand in the soil of God's word, who understand the source of their life, as we talked about on Sunday, the Ruach, the Numa, the Spirit of God giving life. It was interesting because somebody came up afterwards and said, did you know you stopped breathing when you were teaching? Did anybody see that? I didn't stop breathing, I was, but I had exhausted my tidal and residual air. So I did one of those. <laughs> And, they, and it actually was right when I was teaching on that. And I wasn't sure whether to be humored, which I technically was. But I remember saying, thank you, Lord, for giving me breath. It rarely happens. It can usually happen if there's a blow to the solar plexus right in this area. And in this case, I just exhausted all of the air, tidal and residual. It, it wasn't there. But it wasn't enough to cause me to faint or anything. I just remember. And somebody saw it. And I said, wasn't that interesting that in the time that I'm teaching it, I had literally vacated my lungs. And I was able to breathe within the next word. In the same way, the fruit that is given to us, which is manifested in what I just shared with you, attributes, We don't have to work at that. It's God's pleasure to work in us for what is obvious to others. I'd never have to think truly about how love manifests itself. If I know that those are the attributes of love, then the spirit whom I serve and whom indwells in me is at work manifesting those things. The world will test me in those things. The enemy will set things in front of me to dissuade me against those things, persuade me to the things that are carnal and objectionable to God. And so there's this tug of war, which Paul says is between the spirit, that wars against the flesh. And when I understand those dynamics then I'm also able to see that in this challenge, which is make the tree good, it is for the purpose of the fruit that a tree bears, that a tree is known by, but it's also for the purpose of the industry with which I live out my life. It can't simply be about prayer 24 seven without Anything that contributes ultimately towards someone else's life. I'm a scholar, but there are other things that I must do than simply study. And I teach, but there's other things that I must do besides simply orating. There is something that God requires of all of us who likened as trees established in him will exercise and we'll get exercised in ways that perhaps we would say less appealing, but God is doing usually in those less appealing opportunities, a greater work and the preparatory of what he wants us to ultimately be best at. I have to work. A songwriter, that's a work to write song, to create words from your heart, the engagement of your mind, penning it, notating it, and especially when you can't even read music, there's a work there. Christy reads music, but I see her take on sheets of music and with the skill set that she has, she can read each note, interpret it, and she can play it, but I will see her play it over and over and over and over again as an industry to perfect what has already been written. And so Jesus in challenging this and using this theme with regard to the tree that's good, it means that something good manifests itself from that tree as a fruit. You can count on it. That's how you can tell the difference between counterfeits and those whom you can count on as ones strong in the Lord. Person can be strong in the Lord and completely humble among his brethren, but you can ultimately tell by what happens or transpires in the industry of their life. There's effectiveness, there's fruitfulness, there's honor before God. Make it good. And its fruit good, or else make the tree bad, and its fruit bad for A tree is known by its fruit. Jesus very clearly saying the choice of the effectiveness of your life or the fruitfulness of your life is yours to make. You can call upon me, I'll be glad to guide and direct you in it, give you wisdom for it. But the choice as to the productivity of your life or the fruitfulness of your life is yours to make. You make it how you choose, you make it how you want. And so depending on what stage of life you were at, you'll have more years starting earlier to be more fruitful for God by that commitment that you have said, I'm on course to satisfy the plan of God in my life. If you're like me who waited to the age of 31 for a commitment that I clearly would have been able to say, I knew from my early childhood I've had less years, but God has also been gracious in that compression of time that I wouldn't know that I've had less years. I can chronologically say if I were as on fire in my teens, my teenage years like I see in this church and in high school and in college and in my eight years of teaching, it was actually in the eighth year of teaching, that I began, really, with a fire and a fruitfulness for God. But the theme seems to be from Jesus' heart, and specifically to these right now, it's a choice. Make it. Don't fake it. Don't pretend. Now, a person can be truly, in one way, innocently, and with everything that they know to do, following the Lord, and it can be at times they can experience a judgment in their clumsiness of spirituality. People can be very clumsy in their early spirituality, not knowing who to be with, not knowing situations they ought not enter into, not knowing necessarily prayer language, and I'm not speaking in the gifts of tongues, I'm talking about even how to pray came up to a brother, and I think it was on Sunday, and I said, hey, would you pray for me? And the answer was, I don't, I don't know if I've been asked that before, and I don't know if I can. Sure you can. Go ahead and pray for me. And I just bowed my head, <laughs> and I allowed this brother to pray for me. But I thought the exchange was just classic. He was honest enough to say, I'm not like you. <laughs> You're probably more like me than you know. But to just trust that however the prayer came out, I was willing to be a practicum for that brother. And it was an awesome prayer, by the way. He would have said, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. Let's do it. Pray for me. (laughs) I think that was just minutes before I came up to teach. And thank you, because probably that prayer allowed me to draw one more breath when I lost it all. Wouldn't that be cool if the Lord said, that guy's got you covered because you're going to exhaust all of your air and you're going to be teaching on my spirit. And because of his faithfulness in praying, you get to breathe again. So a choice that has been given, and now he condemns them. He calls them a brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is one of the things that all of us learn in basic ministerial protocols, what once was easy for me to say becomes less savory to speak. I think that uh, I think that sailors and fishermen get the bad rap here because they're always seemingly alluded to as having a mouth that needs to be scuttled and washed out with a you know soap. You know, man. One group drinks too much, and the other has a mouth that needs to be washed with frequency. Well, I've, I've seen that in all areas of vocation and life. And teachers are no exemption either. See, the thing is, is that it's, it's what's being stored up in here that eventually, in the abundance of that storehouse, it's gonna come out of your mouth and usually language is one of the first things that the Lord begins to tailor and work on because it's important to speak kingdom language it's important to know how that we are able to communicate truth and not confuse the truth God's at work in my life then don't confuse people by how you speak don't confuse them by what you have found to be once entertaining, and you're entertaining in their mind and imagination what once now you do not have per se the liberty in. And so those are the disciplines that happen in life. He's calling these men who without at least their own doubts are representatives of God, and yet they can't even see God face to face. Make a choice. Make the tree good, and the fruit's going to be good. Or make it bad, and deal with bad fruit. The taste of it, and ultimately, the worthlessness of it. He says to them, you're evil. How can you speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so one of the psalms says, and my mouth shall speak forth praise and all flesh bless your holy name. So one of the best things that you can do is find an opportunity when you least would want to do it is to praise the Lord and bless his holy name. It's important. I get a text that came in on my phone and someone was sorrowful because something special to them was not feeling well. And I remembered in that moment of reading the text where myself and my family brokenhearted because our dog was killed somewhat before our eyes just one day before I taught like the second or third sermon of the church ten years ago. And so I was never able to empathize or sympathize with real understanding what the loss of an animal does to somebody, but we were just bawling our eyes out, tending you know, the dog, while at the same time praising the Lord that Spencer, who was chasing the dog, was held back by his suspenders or his belt because he's a fast guy. He could have caught the dog. Had he caught the dog, it probably would have been in the intersection, and he would have been the one that got hit. And so it was one of these sweet moments of praising God for what he had done, and even in that time, allowing us to grieve as a family. So getting back to the text, this person was letting me know that their heart was hurt because of an animal that was not doing well with its health. So I texted a prayer back, because I believe in prayer, and I believe in texting prayers, and um, later on in the day, I got simply a validation, partial quote of what I prayed, and then an amen, just pointing up to the Lord with an emoji, and so prayer does work. We ought not be ashamed of prayer, and we ought to be able to summon from what our past experiences have also marked us with, that that quality of sincerity, that regardless of what another person may think, its intended outcome is to give God the glory and praise, no matter what we're going through. I almost got hit coming in tonight, or I should also say, I almost hit somebody coming in tonight. That sun that comes in through there, I'm always saying to myself when I round the corner and I stop at that intersection, check, check, double check, left, right, left, right. But this sun hit in such a way that it blinded me and Christy is the one that said, wretch. And as we were crossing the intersection, I said, I'm always reminding myself to look and to double check. And I honestly thought I did, and I did not see it. Thank you. But I kind of came in through here just very sober with regard to the fact that I could have innocently contributed to an accident. If I had been too fast, it would have been on her side. If I had been just a little bit less than breaking efficiently, then it would have been into his door side. And so these kinds of things, you know, are real component parts of the industry of both being fruitful. Can we bless the Lord when bad things seemingly are on their way, or we have averted them and we do not give God glory for being seen through them. And um, I just wanted to share that because, you know, sometimes those close calls summon language that's not God-honoring. You know, today we have people that get really ticked at others that are not going as fast as they should or are, in fact, being careless, not intentionally, but perhaps intentionally. And so we have road rage, which has become the term of people that express their frustration through a violent act or a harmful act. And they're out on the road. They're not genuine in those circumstances friendly. But you may also find yourself in that. How are you doing when somebody's irritating you? when they're driving. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So every time, and this is very interesting, but in essence you are both a reservoir, a cistern, you're a stockpiling station, Everything that you do that is centrally focused on the Lord <clears throat> and purposed as an industrialist and in being a spiritual individual, it's stored up. And the more that you store, the greater capacity that God gives you and the overflow as well. He both increases capacity and he also as well overflows. It comes out of your mouth. And so you can see people in the overflow of good treasure that's been stored in their heart because it overflows in a precise moment, in a timely manner. In the same sense, those who are, it says storing up treasure, but it's evil treasure, it comes out of their mouth too. There is nothing much good to say. There's always something derogatory towards someone the outlook on the future isn't about heaven though hell is an important understanding and it is more than a concept it will be a reality it is not the individual that's cursing their day from basically the morning time to the setting of the sun and going to experience what a person would assess as anything other than man that person's just sour hard to be around, not somebody that I actually am enjoying working with, and I think most of us have been trained under, at times, those kinds of people, because God allows us to. You know, what Joseph would have experienced, what Daniel would have experienced, what Esther would have experienced, they were experiencing things in a culture that was foreign to God, and of what I would say probably is say the, the courtesies that would be due your neighbor because culture that is absent of God is crude and it's, and it's rude, it's barbaric, it's handled basically by a law enforcement that basically snuffs them out, not caring for anything other than that. That's why Rome was so noted for being at one time a place that you would be finding yourself safeguarded as a citizen because they didn't take any rebellion. It was met with judgment. But it is an important area right now in our life to know that as we both can find ourselves fruitful and blessing people and honoring the Lord, we can also find ourselves wealthy in a treasury that the Lord allows us to literally communicate with our mouths, the treasury of scripture, the treasury of hope, the treasury of looking at somebody who has been devalued and all of a sudden we make them a millionaire with one word, one phrase, one act of selfless giving, one thoughtful card, whatever it is. We have the ability, see the Lord may say, How'd you handle your treasure on earth? Treasure on earth. I made it from paycheck to paycheck. Did you ever check your heart? You had a reservoir. You were filled to the top like Fort Knox. I endowed you. I enriched you. Didn't you feel it? The heaviness of my glory within you? Now, usually, and that's what I would probably say as an oxymoron, there are our people it would be very hard pressed to find such filled individuals that would not be if you would pouring out their treasure in what their mouth can say but i did tell you this that on the journey of being spiritual people we can find ourselves at times ignorant of how to do it it's generally not arrogance it's it's ignorant And then sometimes it's also just complacency. It happens. I don't know what to do with what it is I feel about God. And then sometimes it's misdirected. Oh, you need to go to Africa. I do? Yes. All people serious about God go to Africa. What do we do there? You eat worms and you point to heaven. Do I have to learn a language? Probably. How do I do that? Go to Africa and find out. And so, <laughs> fully, facetiously, no, it's, it's really easier than that. Hey, come to the house of the Lord and learn of him. Indulge him. Find yourself involved in a consistent plan of Bible study, Bible reading, prayer. And they may say, is that all there is to it? No, it's, it's complicated. But those are the basics, and as you practice the basics, you will become professional in the other things. You mean like, a? have got to be a pastor now? No, you'll be a professor. You'll be able to say the things that meaningfully will change somebody's life direction. You'll be fearless in the face of those who challenge faith and who mock believers. I say to you that for every idle word men say, or men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. So this again is pointing out the difference between the language being used by the carnal mind and the language that's being used by the spiritual person. And so as much of the spiritual language that you are able to consciously and honorably speak, that's what we do. We are not ashamed to say, God bless you. I do that, and I listen for whether their breath stops, as my heart did when a parent of one of my students would close my telephone conversations off with that. You've heard it before. But I like to share it because not everybody has heard that. And I always attribute the progress that I made and the changes in my heart because somebody blessed me in to the challenge of following in faith that he was representing. Hey, Rich, keep up the teaching and God blessed you. And my breath would just go... My heart would just beat... And so basically he, that brother, that father, taught me to say... Speechless and breathless. Can he come through with this? Will he lose his mind over this? What has happened? The satanic attack? No, actually, I changed the batteries just the other day. It was just bad battery selection. See, I don't do everything perfectly. But what I started, I finished. You mock me, batteries? Ha! I eject you. Chris, bring up my ammo. (laughs) Now, what happened, though, if in that... I go, the telecast is spoiled. That one person that watches <laughs> on Thursday. <laughs> my global impact has been ruined, and I kicked this mic stand over, and threw my Bible, you guys would go, we've never seen that before out of Rich. And hope you would never see that out of Rich. That would be different than if I stood to dismiss you, I stumble over my stool, I flip the mic stand, the Bible flies, those are two different events that seemingly have the same visual. And if nobody saw it, they'd say, he's flipped out, we could see it. He was clearly deranged when he got off the stool and it has led to this, the fall of his ministry. But the words that we say and what I was trying to get back to in the closing is that became indelibly marked that the power that I had in a conversation could be summed up in the exclamation of the Lord bless you today. I was hearing it all the time. It was the easiest way for me to conclude any kind of communion with somebody I knew that if I failed in the fellowship, I wouldn't fail in the salutation and that God would take it from there. God bless you. Uh, thanks. See, it didn't matter to me what they said, only that I was able to say with sincerity what became my custom and still is. My phone, once you move through certain announcements on it says, and may God bless you richly today or something to that effect. I heard that from one of the office secretaries at ACF. Her salutation on the phone, and may God richly bless you today. I thought, yeah, I want to be richly blessed today. That's a good adjective to be richly blessed today. Kingdom language. I want to be judged by what it is I say with my mouth That actually is in the exercise of my faith being used by God to bless somebody's life. And that's why I will give people an opportunity. They don't have to show me credentials at all. Would you pray for me? Because I believe that in so doing, I am doing nothing less than what Jesus would have done with John the Baptist. He said, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. And he said, It pertains to all righteousness. Let it be done. And that is actually one of the things that we train people to do is by giving them the permission to pray for us. I never pray. Try it now. I'm ready for it. This could be a good one. Lord bless him. Uh, amen and on my granny's grave. That'll work. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it'll work. Lord bless him on my granny's grave. That isn't what was said, by the way. <laughs> Or maybe it was. Maybe that's why I lost my breath. I don't know. (laughs) But no, that isn't what was prayed. It was a wonderful prayer. If someone who said they hadn't prayed, and I wouldn't have known that. So at any rate, tonight is with regard to fruitfulness that can be tasted, and the choice is ours. And I believe that we here tonight, and we on Sundays, have made that choice. And I believe that we're going to see generations that are linked now with us because they feel so unlinked with culture it hasn't worked do you realize how popular facebook was and it's less popular than than it once was people you'd find you know i hear with frequency i've quit it i'm not on it i've never been on it i don't have an attention span that can talk. i just don't But it has been productive at times to the community. But a lot of people just say, I'm through with it. I have no idea why they're through. I'm through with it. Great. Whatever that means to you. But fruitfulness may depend on not being dependent upon it at all. We use it as one of our platforms. It's one of three. I think we are on three platforms. Two of them aren't what you would call necessarily stellar in what they permit on them. Is God using them? Might. Might be in the very area where we would say, don't want to be associated with it. God would say, I'm fine with that association, Rich, because actually I associated with you at a time in which you weren't that stellar either. Ooh, that's right, Lord. I wasn't perfect when you found me. And so being mindful of this, that's as far as we'll go tonight. We'll close tonight in prayer. If you guys had come on up for that, then I'll just make a quick note. Um, Sharon Fisher, this wonderful friend in the front here, we were contemporaries, still are, but we were actually high school um, associates. I don't remember if we had any classes together, but we knew each other through ultimately her husband and And then a son, I had, uh, I think, a teaching as well experience with a couple of her kids, and it was awesome. But what she she came and shared, so the worship guys, are you guys coming up here? You come on up here right now. That's okay. Um, Is that in 1991, which was one year after I left public teaching, went into private teaching, and that was my last year. Can you give me the month of this accident? June, okay. So that would have been like right around my last day of private school teaching. But her niece, correct? Was a 12 year old girl who was involved in an accident out in front of the fairgrounds in Grants Pass. So I would have been 31, 32, right around that time frame, 88, 33. I would have been 33 at the time. And I, at 33, was riding motorcycles. So a motorcyclist was killed in this accident. A milk truck came by and slammed into the motor, well, cars that were ahead of it and a motorcycle that probably was on the front end. He died. Her niece was in that accident. And I'm just going to short term it with you. The doctor said Raquel would never recover. She was a vegetable. She would never walk or talk again. And the fact was she was red carded and predicted to die on the day of the accident. The atheist doctor called Raquel a miracle. There is no medical explanation for her recovery. And the math would seem to say she's 43. 43? No? <laughs> Good. And so this is an article that she has uh, saved and given to me. Um, and her name is, let's see. Well, I already got her name. Um Yeah, Raquel Horbin. At any rate, Zach's life challenge has touched Sharon. And so that was cool because she came here, I think she said the last time she was here was in December. And she was very sentimental and, and was hoping to see Zach tonight. And so she was able to see him. And because of what she saw with her niece, Then she looks at the predicament that seemingly we were thrust into and says, nothing is impossible for God. My niece was red carded, not expected to live, brain dead. And the Lord did the opposite. And she walks and talks. And she just said those beautiful words, perfect. Isn't that neat? Perfect. And so... The Lord's perfecting us as well, and he'll permit us to have challenges with our bodies, but they're only challenges that are momentary because we're bound to go to heaven perfect. And it's only a short tenure here. And You really understand that as you get just a little bit older. So let's pray this word in and enjoy the closing song of worship and fellowship that's following. Lord, thank you for our evening together. Thank you for, in the short verses that were looked at, the challenge. Really, Lord, the only challenge that I see is not making the choice in which the obvious is uh, understood. You are God. You made us. You desire fellowship with us. The Pharisees were... Challenged in so many ways that we would say, "Is it possible to have that connection with God and miss Him on a face-to-face?" I would probably say that most of us could nod our heads and say, "I missed him," and I was face to face with him. I heard his words. But thank you, Lord, that who we were then is not who we are now, and we pray for those who, as time has come, to make time count. And we do pray for both revival in this culture. We pray for the church to no longer live in lethargy, not trying to outperform others, but Lord just desiring more of you in a place in which it happens in this kind of a beautiful gathering, meeting in a room, open to the spirit, listening to doctrine, applying it to our life, asking for change, believing in forgiveness, granting mercies to others, and truly learning how to speak kingdom language. May there be tonight, even if that alone is the change we make, a greater commitment to simply say, God bless you. The Lord bless you. Blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Praying for you. Jesus loves you. And thanking you now in advance and thanking you as well, looking back historically on a beautiful, encouraging documentary of a woman of God saved as a young 12-year-old. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.